I'd like us to open our Bibles together this morning to the Gospel of Matthew. As we're continuing in a sermon series, a verse-by-verse series, as we're going through Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount in a series called Jesus Teaches About. And we're learning the deep points that Jesus is teaching his disciples and the other hearers of the Sermon on the Mount about how to live properly and maintain our Christian lives. And this morning, we're in Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, in a message that I have titled, The Reason. We're going to start with a couple of questions this morning. You don't have to answer these out loud, but they're kind of fun to think about. And I'm going to ask Isaiah if he can put these questions up on the, up on the screen. Let's see if we have them. Okay, question number one. The local homeless shelter needs help serving dinner. What do you do? A, you go. You want to be a good example for your friends in your small group. Where's B? B, you pray about it, then you sign up. You're not sure how God will use you, but you're sure that he will. Or C, you need some community service projects. You sign up because you need some community service projects to add to your resume. Um, Next question, let's see. Question number two, your neighbors ask you to watch their poodle while they're away for the weekend. You say yes because you like dogs and it'll be fun. You can get to know them better and maybe even share your faith or you're low on cash and you hope that they're going to pay you. Possibly. Uh, Let's see, our third question here this morning says this. It's dinner time and your mom is sick, your dad's out of town, your little brother is starving you microwave some leftovers for your brother only after he bugs you for the ninth time maybe you look around in the freezer for something that you and your brother can make together or you take your brother to the nearest fast food joint but you keep the receipt so that your mom can pay you back (laughs) we've all kind of faced some of those situations before huh We can certainly have fun with these type of questions, but they do illustrate a scenario that Jesus is discussing with his disciples as he is preaching the Sermon on the Mount. Before we dive into our scripture this morning, I want to set the scene. In the world of the Jewish people at this time, when Jesus walked the earth, it would be very common to see Pharisees and and scribes and religious leaders in the town, walking throughout the town, And it would be common to see them expressing their righteousness, your your righteousness. It's it's the the level of your piousness, how, how religious you are, how close to God you are. And they would show this really mainly through three ways. The giving of alms, which is your giving to the poor, your prayer, and your fasting. And the Jewish leaders, they took these three qualities from their tradition, and and they turned them all three into something that that they would show, but exactly something that they weren't meant to be. And we've seen time and time again over the last few sermons that, that Jesus is taking what was originally passed down for a reason and had been manipulated for, for man's purposes, and he's saying, I want you to see what this was originally meant to be. I want you to show, I want to show you exactly why we do this and not the way that the pharisees are doing it not the way of religion but i want you to see what god meant by this in these three areas 
the Pharisees and the religious leaders would always make sure that they were noticed. When the Bible is talking about giving to the poor, I want you to literally think of maybe a, a blind man who's sitting, sitting outside the church or sitting outside a, a place in town and, and really shaking a cup with some coins in it. He's shaking back and forth. And if you give money to this man, the larger the coin that you put in his cup, the more noise that it's going to make, right? People could hear that noise of the coins being dropped into that cup, and, and, and it could draw your attention to the poor. And prayers were said at a specific time in the day in this culture, and numerous times per day you might be going around your business in, in town, and, and if that hour struck and it's time to pray, a lot of times people would just, they would just stop and, and they would have just a quiet prayer to themselves during prayer time. Not the Pharisees, though. Pharisees praying on the street. He, he might be loud, might be waving his hands, using all kinds of big Bible words. He might literally get down on his knees and make a big scene. Everyone that was walking up and down the street could, could tell you how righteous the Pharisees are because they are praying with all of these super big Bible words. They, they are praying loudly for everyone to see. And they have a, a habit of, of making such a big deal in showing their righteousness to other people. They would be fasting also. Fasting is something that they would do on a weekly basis, and it was part of the culture. And, and sometimes fasting would be done more than once a week. But as the Pharisees were wandering around town, they would, they would be grumbling about how hungry they are. You know, here's this, this grumbling's not coming from their stomach. It's coming from their mouths, just showing people how well it is that they're fasting. These leaders of the Jewish people, these leaders of the faith, were actually examples. If you were coming up in Jewish culture and, and, and you wanted to become closer to God, you wanted to, 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 to be more pious, you would, you would follow the examples of the Pharisees and, and the scribes and the religious leaders. And so now you have people who have this idea that the only way to be closer to God is to follow the example of the Pharisees. And I need to pray really loud and, and I need to, to give great money into this cup so it clanks really loud and everyone can see me. Or maybe I, I fast and, and show everyone how well that I am fasting. You know, I give these large sums of money out of my righteousness. And I want you to see what Jesus says about this in Matthew chapter 6. We're in verse number 1. He says, watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose your reward from your Father in heaven. See, this verse is it's Jesus leading the conversation about giving to the needy. In Matthew chapter 6, 16, he's going, to, he's going to talk about fasting as well. So we're going to look at these two categories this morning. We're going to look at giving to the needy, and we're going to look at fasting. We're going to look at prayer next week. In Matthew 6, 16, he says this, And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and behaviled so people would admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth that this is the only reward that they will get. I think it's a good idea to have an understanding of what Jesus is talking about, what he, what he means when he calls somebody a hypocrite. 
Back in those days, entertainment may be downtown at the amphitheater. And, and, and in theater productions, you didn't always have enough actors to play all of the parts. So maybe an actor would play a couple of different parts. And the way that, that you would know that he changed characters, he would hold a mask. And he might turn that mask around to play a different character. And so this idea of being a, a hypocrite is referring to somebody who would simply hold up a different mask. It would symbolize a change in character. The Greek word for, for hypocrites, it really refers back to the theater when somebody is changing their character, putting on a different face to show people a different character. It's really what a hypocrite is, right? Do you see, you see that connection? It's somebody who shows something sometimes but acts another way. And that's what Jesus is saying. He continues to call the Pharisees and the scribes and the religious leaders, calling them hypocrites because he says, in public, you act this way and you show this face, but in private, you're a totally different person. He says, you're doing it for the wrong reasons and you're making a big deal about it. They say, oh, look what I just gave this poor man. Look, I just put a bunch of money in his, in his cup. I want everyone to praise me. Look at me. Look what I just did. This man just used the, the religious ritual of giving to the poor to draw attention to himself. The Jews certainly cared about taking care of the poor. They cared about helping others. It was part of the righteousness that, that would be shown through their faith. It was part of their faith. But the question comes down to why were they giving to the poor? I want to add some depth to this message that Jesus gives us. Let's come back to Matthew chapter 5. This is something that we studied last week or, or a couple of weeks ago. We were looking at this and we're going to look at this verse again. It's Matthew 5, 14 through 16. Jesus says this, You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it can give light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Seems like there's a connection between Matthew chapter 5, the middle of Matthew chapter 5, and the beginning of Matthew chapter 6. And I want to dive into this connection the first point in this connection is point number one in your notes this morning. If you're joining us for the first time on the left-hand side of your bulletin, you'll find some fill-in-the-blanks, and I'm going to give you those answers, and they're going to be up here on the, on the screen this morning. Point number one in your notes, our deeds, either public or private, should always be done with a godly motive. Our deeds, either public or private, should always be done with a godly motive. See, there seems to be a difference in the way that Matthew chapter 1, verse 1 refers to our deeds and actions and the way that Jesus referred to our deeds and actions back in Matthew chapter 5. And I want you to remember that these verses are part of the same sermon. They're part of Sermon on the Mount. So literally, within the, the, the scope of about two minutes, Jesus said in Matthew 5, he says... Let your light shine for all to see. And then in Matthew 6, literally about a minute or two later, he says, don't do your good works in public. 
You think maybe the disciples could have been confused a little bit? Like, didn't you just tell me to light my, let my light shine, and now you're saying to don't do my good deeds in public? See, the message that Jesus has here isn't about giving to the poor. The message is about our motivation. He's telling his audience and through his, through his scriptures and through his word, he's telling us that it's not about what we do. It's not only about what we do. It's also about why we do. In Mark chapter 7, verses 6 and 7, Jesus says this. He says, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They wor- their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. See, it all comes down to our motivation. Sounds like Jesus is saying two different things. It sounds like he's telling us that he wants us to shine our light in public, and then he's telling us that he wants, to, wants us to do our good deeds privately? Like, what is it? What are, you, what are you saying? See, the Bible teaches that both are acceptable under the right circumstances. They both, though, have to have the correct motive. You don't give money to a poor person with a worldly motive of taking a selfie and putting yourself on Instagram, putting money in a guy's cup, right? Or maybe you're taking a picture of yourself giving, giving a guy half the Whopper that you didn't eat, right? Wrong motivation. No, what Christ is saying is to have the proper motive. You give and you do good deeds when you do them publicly. You're not doing them to be admired by others, he says, do good deeds, but don't, don't go out and make a big name for yourself. He says, if, if that's what you're doing, if you're going out to draw attention to yourself that you're going to lose your reward in heaven. Let's talk about that for just a minute. I know what went through your mind a minute ago. You think, did the Bible just say that I can actually lose my salvation by doing good deeds in public? No. No, that's not what it's saying. He's not referring to losing your salvation as, as a reward. He has a hold on that. Nobody could ever take that away from you. It's going to take a power much more powerful than God to take that salvation away. And there's no power that exists. God has you in his hand. Amen? So let's dive into that for a second. Come back with me into Matthew chapter 6, verse number 2. Jesus says this, when you give to somebody in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in their synagogues and on the streets to call attentions to their act of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all of the reward that they will ever get. Here's the lesson that our Lord is teaching us. It's point number two in your notes this morning. There are rewards for the giving of our charity, either worldly or heavenly, but not both. There, there, are, there are returns, rather the returns, sorry, scratch that out, the returns for giving charity is either worldly or heavenly, but not both. It's referring to the rewards that we've stored up in, in heaven, right? You know that you, you get to heaven someday and there are awards and there are rewards for you for, for what you've done here. And he's referring to these rewards that that God has rewards set aside for us that he's been collecting for us throughout our lives. 
up in heaven. Matthew 6, 19 and 20, it says this, Don't store up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven. There, moth and rust can't destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. See, God has something for you. He says, I want you to keep the eye, your eyes on this prize. He's not worried about the approval that you get from men. That's, that's not God's concern at all. In a sense, God is saying, you can have one reward for your acts. You can either get a reward from me, or you can get a reward from man, but you can't have both. Pick one. If you choose the rewards of men, you're going to, to, to put your money in the poor man's cup and toot your own horn and, and everyone in the city sees the good deeds that you did and, and they'll clap for you and shout your name and maybe give you a plaque and, and, and say you're such a generous member of our community and then about 15 minutes later the ceremony is over and you've got your reward. That's it. And do you think that your reward for that act is, is still up in heaven? God says, no, not, no dice. Like you, just, you just got your reward. You took your earthly reward. The most amazing thing about the rewards that are for us in heaven is that throughout the Bible, it doesn't give us. We don't exactly know what God has in store for us. And to me, that's amazing to think about the fact that, that God's rewards for us are above anything that we can imagine that he has such amazing plans for our future in heaven, that he's prepared something for us. Like I would think just being in the presence of Jesus physically is reward enough, amen? Isn't that going to be an amazing time? But there are also earthly rewards. Sometimes earthly rewards come in the way of blue ribbons and and maybe awards with the Pharisees and the religious leaders, they were fasting in a way that, that they would be noticed by people out on the streets. And the, the earthly rewards of being seen by others, that's what the Pharisees were after. See, sometimes our earthly rewards might even come in the way that we feel about ourselves. That's an earthly reward. I wonder if you ever heard somebody say something like this. If anyone's ever said, you know what, I go down and I help the homeless once a, once a month. I go down to the food bank and I help out because it simply makes me feel good to do something for other people. Pride could be an earthly reward too, right? <clears throat> Using our actions to draw attention to ourselves, even or to enhance our own feelings about ourselves. That's an earthly reward. There's... And that's exactly what Jesus is speaking about. He's saying, what's your motivation? What's the reason that you're doing this? There's some of us who love awards. Sometimes our, our kids, we, 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 we bring up our kids, and there's nothing, there's nothing entirely wrong with this, but we see some kids in their rooms, by the time they're in sixth grade, just full of trophies for all of the, the, the they were in baseball, and they were in wrestling, or, or maybe they sold the most cookies in Girl Scouts, and, and they get trophies, and there's, there's ribbons, and, and there's certificates, and they put them up on, their, on the wall. And sometimes that's good for us to be able to teach our children that within reason, 
This is okay. As parents, though, I think sometimes we create this mentality in our children of showing off sometimes. When our kids are three years old, like every finger paint, artwork, kind of colorful nonsense they create goes up on the refrigerator, right? You put it up there on the fridge because we're so proud of it. And we want people to see it. And, and we plaster it up here for us to be able to admire. And, and it's great for us to be able to show off our kids. But what happens when, when we get the kids are four, five, and six years old? Everything they do now, they're going to the refrigerator. Put it up there, right? They're, they're covering the refrigerator up. And what it is, it's a display that even at an early age, they're saying, look at this, and I want to draw attention to myself. I want, I want you to see what, what I have done. It's this appreciation of, and, and recognition sometimes that deep inside, maybe if we could be honest, we really appreciate recognition. We're thankful when somebody comes up to us and tells us that we're doing, you're doing a really good job. Some of these words from other people, they become our motivation. I'm motivated to impress my boss. I'm motivated to hear words from other people telling me that I'm doing a good job. I'm motivated from the praise of other people. And sometimes it's that confirmation of our talents that is saying, you know what, your good works are, you're doing a great job. And that becomes a very thinly veiled worldly reward. You say, well, pastor, how can I, how can I control what somebody else says about me? And the answer isn't necessarily what somebody else is saying about you, but rather why it is that we're doing what we do. I want you to come back with me finally into Matthew. We're still in chapter 6. We're in verse number 4. We're in verses 3 or four, three and 4, rather. Jesus says this, But when you give to somebody in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. When it comes to the point of fasting, in Matthew 6, 16 through 18, he says this, But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. Then no one will notice that you are fasting except your Father who knows what you do in private. And your Father who sees everything will reward you. Here's the application. It's the third point in your notes this morning. All activities of the Christian life should be intentionally to glorify God. All activity of the Christian's life should intentionally glorify God. Our actions all have an act, and they all have a reason. We can do the wrong things for the wrong reason. I want you to imagine that that, that somebody were to go and they, and they steal food, they break in and they steal food from a mini-mart, and they're taking that, their motivation is they're going to sell it so, so, so they, could, they could sell it to buy drugs. Wrong thing, wrong reason. Let's take that same scenario. They, they broke in and, and they, they stole something, but they're really trying to sell something so that they could feed their family. Still wrong thing. Maybe a better reason. They've got a reason. They've got to take care of their family. We can do the right thing also for the wrong reason. So you come up to an intersection, you see a news van that is across the street, 
wow, look, that's the news van right over there. And there's an old lady. I am going to help her across the street and hope that they get a picture of me. Hope I get on TV helping this old lady across the street, right? Right thing, wrong reason. We can also do the right thing for the right reason. Through the Bible, we can learn what the right thing is. And it's really only through the words of the Bible that we can learn what the right thing is. Let me tell you something. This is so important. We don't get to tell ourselves what the right thing is. Only the Bible, only God's Word tells us what the right thing is. Just as easily we can fall into the trap of doing the wrong thing for the wrong reason, we can fall into a trap of doing the right thing for the wrong reason. It's not uncommon for somebody to say, well, okay, um, Pastor, what, uh, what's the right thing and what's the right reason? And it's so important. This, this should be a point in your notes. I didn't put this in your notes. I want you to write this down, though. The right thing is always God's will. The right thing is always God's will, and the right reason is always for His glory. The right thing is always God's will, and the right reason is always for His glory. How do we know what God's will is? We find His will in His instruction book to us. His will is in the pages of the Bible. We don't get to make up what His will is for us. He tells us what His will is. If it's not in the Bible, it's not in God's will. He's not going to tell you to do something that He did not put in His Scripture. You say, well, how do I know if this is within God's will? Can we find it in the Scripture? Can we find a tie to it in Scripture? If we can't, that's, that's not God's will. We don't get to make up what His will is. The right thing is never what I want. The right thing is never what you want. It's never what somebody else wants. The right thing is always what God wants. The right reason is never because I want to. It's never because somebody else wants me to. It's never because it feels right. It's never because it's comfortable. The right reason is always because it brings glory to God. If you give to the poor, give to the poor for the glory of God. If you fast, fast to the glory of God. If you work, work to the glory of God. If you love, love to the glory of God. If you sing, sing to the glory of God. If you teach, teach to the glory of God. That's your reason. The Apostle Paul writes this in his first recorded letter to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 10, verse 31. He says, so whenever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. He has the same lesson to the church in Colossae. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, he says this, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. There's such a deep lesson about our actions as Christians. Some people think that I just have to be a good person and that's how I'm going to get to heaven. And what happens is we try and do good deeds 
in our life to achieve our own salvation doesn't work, does it? We can't work hard enough to overcome our sin. Doing good deeds for our own salvation is doing the right thing for the wrong reason. There is absolutely nothing you can do to work your way into heaven. If your actions in life are to be a good person and to do good deeds so God will be proud of you, then your actions are are misguided. God is already proud of you. God already loves you. You don't have to do anything to earn His love. We don't do our good deeds so so that we can draw God's attention to us and say, God, I want you to love me. Look what I'm doing. God already loves you. Our deeds are done for His glory. That's the reason. He does, however, want you to continue to give to the poor. He does want you to continue to take care of others. He wants you to continue to pray. He wants you to continue to fast, but He wants you to do all of this for the right reason. And the only reason that we do anything, that we do any of this, is to glorify God. Amen? Amen. That's the only reason. You might be here this morning and you've been trying so hard recently to show other people what a good Christian you are. Or maybe you're here this morning and you realize that you continue to try to do good things because you think your actions... Your actions can, will get you to heaven, but you realize that no matter how hard you work, no matter what you do, that it's not good enough. That there's something else. There's another, there's another good deed in front of you. See, that's where the grace of our Lord and Savior comes in. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, he says. He doesn't say your good deeds are the way. He doesn't say righteous living is the way. He doesn't say that giving to the poor is the way. You cannot give enough money to the poor to get yourself to heaven. You can come to Jesus, and that's the only way. You don't come to the Father by being good enough. You come to the Father by putting your faith in Jesus. If you were here this morning and you've never put your faith in Jesus and you're trying to, you're trying to get to heaven by your own works, by your own good works, it's really time to accept that invitation. I'm going to ask for every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. There's, there's someone here this morning who has simply been trying as hard as they can to get there on their own. There's somebody here this morning who has come looking for direction, who has 
been trying to do the right thing for so long, we might realize that the right things that they've been doing are for the wrong reason. Because they've been trying to, they've been trying to honor man. They've been trying to create a, they've been trying to create maybe this persona. Maybe you've been putting on a mask. When people are around, you put on that Christian mask. But when no one is around, God sees our real character. We can't get there on our own. It is only by the grace of God. Lord, I ask for your hand this morning. I ask for your hand over this congregation. Lord, and I ask you to touch hearts. And remind us through our day and through our week that it's not simply what we do, but it's so important why we do. Lord, that we can come and we can go out and we can reach our city from within our city, but it's not for us. Lord, it's not for it's not so that, that we could have a bigger church and be the biggest church in town. It's not so that we can have just a, a great amount of Christian friends. It's not so that we can notch everyone that we brought to Christ, Lord. It's only, though, by and for your glory. Let everything that we do shine your light, not ours. Lord, I ask that you continue just to show us what is the right reason? And what is the right way? Lord, I pray that if there's any souls in here today that don't know you as their personal Lord and Savior, that you will put strength in legs and let them stand and walk forward. Lord, there's nobody here today that we want to walk out of this place wondering where they are going to spend eternity. Lord, we all want to accept your grace, your unmerited favor for our lives. We didn't earn it, but you offer it. Your atoning blood on the cross shed for us as the sacrifice that we should pay, Lord, but we're not good enough. We can't work our way there. The only way there is accepting you and accepting the sacrifice that you willingly gave for us. Lord, I pray that you'll keep our eyes focused on you. Lord, be our what and be our why. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to be down here as David plays for us. And if you're wondering what this whole Jesus thing is about, if you're here this morning and you're done trying to do it on your own, come.
Come and let's pray.